and I got together with my husband, we both were like, I'm non-monogamous. Great. Great. What we didn't get is that that does not describe a whole lot about a person. People do non-monogamy in a whole bunch of different ways. There's people who are poly who want to have multiple emotional relationships. There's people who just want to swing and have sex with people without ever having to, you know, call them or develop a, a connection with them. Like, it doesn't tell you a whole lot about a person. It's like, I like to travel, you know? Like, do you like to travel and sleep in hostels and go to remote places and, uh, and like, you know, rough it? Or do you, you like to have a bougie, you know, Paris vacation where you're shopping and sipping wine and people watching and going to museums? Like, yeah. travel is a really broad category of, of interest. So we have to be way more specific before we agree that we have alignment with another person. So you were not allowed to be like, hey, I would like you to not have sex with my friends. Mostly I would say that we figured it all out the hard way just by mm. like constantly making mistakes and hurting each other. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up all you toppy bottoms, you switchy witches? Shout out to all the puppy play patriarchs out there. This is Billy Presida and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. It's Caitlin V Day, everybody. It's like V Day, but instead of victory over the Nazis, it's we've got famed sex coach and YouTuber Caitlin V on the pod. This one's exciting, I dare I say spicy. Uh, so I can't wait to bring it to y'all in just, I swear, a little bit. Uh, but first, show dates, people, show dates. <sighs> Remember when we used to drop Aton Levine in there? I love that. Um, the Naked Comedy Show, this Friday in Brooklyn. It's our last date of the year, but certainly not the last time that comedians are going to get on stage completely naked for your entertainment. Uh, <laughs> Friday, December 1st, we've got 8 and 10 p.m. shows. Fantastic comics who've been featured on The Tonight Show and The Wendy Williams Show and various comedy festivals from all over the place. We still have some tickets available. So click the link in the schnotes to get those. Uh, and when you go into the schnotes, you will also see my other upcoming stand-up comedy dates in New York. Uh, but those typically uh, involve pants. And as always, at The Naked Comedy Show, it's BYOB. And for the audience, well, get undressed if you want to. Caitlin V came to the Naked Comedy Show, had a great time. Um, wow. So we've had a couple killer uh, episodes, lots of reactions in the champagne room. Uh, I first want to just read a couple notes from the Tina Frimmel episode from a couple weeks back. These are comments in the champagne room, our uh, super free, super fun, super sex positive Discord server. We have an episode discussion channel in there. Tracy writes, Loved Tina and her honesty. I had leaking eyes in the beginning since my husband, Hal, has an adult 100% disabled niece. 
and she has wanted to be in and receive love with someone for so long. She is smart and funny and talented musically. And though she's had lots of crushes, those guys will hang out with her, but nothing else. Tina has found some love, and it seems like she knows what she wants and is finding professional success. I can't wait for the bonus. Good interview, Billy. Your sweetness shined through, and I'm going to check out her comedy. Uh, in fact, and you know, I got to remember, let me write this down uh, to link in the notes, but, but uh, Tina was on The Tonight Show uh, a couple of Fridays ago. The, the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. It's a big deal when a comedian does their first Tonight Show set. So uh, congrats to Tina on that. Tracy, thanks for the nice words. Uh, Redonculus Homunculus also wrote in, I am about 80% finished with the episode, and I agree. The way Billy steered the conversation back when she lost track and followed the question through, the insight, it's really fucking good. Tina is an absolute badass, so funny, and I would... And I did pass this note along to Tina. <laughs> and I would totally ravish and rail her with my strap-on cock if she would have me. Well, Redonculus, I, I keep my fingers crossed for you. Uh, and then last week, we had the episode with Jack, Sex Stories from the Champagne Room. Whoa. The Discord server exploded, dare I say, gushed at this episode. Jack has been a fixture in the in Fanhorn Nation for uh, quite a few years now. Princess Peach, whose story Tetris you heard on the episode, she wrote, I loved it. I started listening on my drive home from work this morning, but decided to save it for later because I was worried about getting too distracted by Jack's sexy voice and hitting a deer. Looking forward to finishing what I started. Mary Beth, who also had a story uh, featured in there, she, she used the truck stop gal. Mary Beth wrote, Jack, could you be any hotter? That giggle. Having read these stories when they were posted, I feel like I'm in on a secret, knowing whose stories they are. I've also never felt so supported, and I'm going to pretend this episode was just for me. Audio porn is my jam. Add in a sexy Jack and personal connection to many of the people whose stories were shared, and damn, be still my heart. Yep, an episode just for me. Great way to start the holiday weekend. Can't wait for the bonus. Uh, one more comment from last week's episode uh, from Jesse. My favorite moment of Jack was when you started laughing in the last story. Quote, God, I'm a horny shit. Adorable. I actually rewound it a couple of times. Even though sensual audio isn't my usual thing, I did enjoy listening to these familiar stories and trying to remember who told what. Great episode. So if you have comments to share about the show, you know, drop it in the episode discussion channel in the champagne room. There's a link in the schnotes. You know where to go. You can also send me your comments and questions and criticisms. You can send it all directly to manhorpod at gmail.com. Uh, before we get to this week's guest, Caitlin V. Let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. All right. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to some whore heads who support the show on Patreon. Patreon is one of the most consistent, most stable, most steady ways you can support any independent content creator like myself. I support several uh, people on the Patreon. I'm actually about to join another Patreon, I think, next week because I'm waiting for it to, to launch. Um, Chris Gethard, 
does a great show called Beautiful Anonymous. I'm about to join his Patreon. I also like to support those who give me great weekly free podcasts to keep me company in the shower on long drives or, you know, kind of when I'm masturbating, but I'm, I'm not really masturbating. I'm kind of like tugging a dick and listening to a podcast while I play online backgammon. I like to support those people. And I appreciate all y'all who uh, who throw the dollars my way as well. So a big shout out right now to Keith O'Toole, an Irishman with such an Irish name that I found multiple Irishmen named Keith O'Toole. Like, I can't even narrow it down to Keith O'Toole's in Ireland because like that's kind of all that came up unless you're like the dude in F- Port Charlotte, Florida, which I don't think you are. Anyways, whichever Keith O'Toole, you, you know what? Fuck it. To all the Keith O'Toole's out there, Waving the green, white, and orange. Thank you for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. And you too can become a member today and support the pod you love at patreon.com slash Podcast, or download the Patreon app and you can find me on there. Okay. It's Caitlin V who has a TV show, Good Sex, on the platform formerly known as HBO Max. And in addition to uh, good sex and being a sex coach, she also is a prominent sex education YouTuber. While she was in town from the West Coast, I invited her to uh, to come on the podcast. And we had a really fun talk about her origin story and talking about sex for a living and, you know, kind of what stays private and what stays public. And, you know, she she actually ends up sharing some some private news of her own here on the show. And if you're a Caitlin V fan and you've shown up just for her and she's got something she wants to tell you. In fact, we we were supposed to try to coordinate this with like a video announcement she was going to do on her YouTube channel of like what she shares on here in coordination, just like kind of, uh, she said, nothing seemed to like feel right. She wasn't really sure like how to do that kind of a video, especially because, you know, it's, it's not like she does a vlog. She's doing content, edu- mostly educational, sex-related content, right? But then the, to share something very personal, she, she was struggling to hit the tone. And then and then we kind of, and then she just kind of admitted, I, you know, I, the way I said it on the podcast is, I mean, I think that's the way I want them to hear it. And well, this is how you're going to hear about what's going on with Caitlin V. It comes in a uh, around halfway through the conversation and it was very cool to uh, watch her and explore with her uh, maybe a little bit more of a little more vulnerability than she's used to uh, particularly uh, coming from my point of view as someone who all I know how to do is be vulnerable and sometimes funny so you know I thank Caitlin for sharing that experience with me and for sharing that with us and with that let's go get to know Caitlin V. I recently discovered Aquifer. Well, I'm 34 years old. I was not introduced to Aquifer until last year. Okay. But that is magic healing for everything that ails you. I put it in my uh, nose, mm-hmm. like uh, during the dry season. When I get when trapped, like, yeah, a lot of do it outside? No, 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 inside on a Q-tip. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're like, you know, on an airplane or like whatever your sinuses are feeling kind of dry, you just give them like a quick one over with Aquifer before you go to sleep. You wake up feeling like clear as a bird. Uh, if I get like like chafe like in the yep. what, what do they call the is that an inguinal crease in between the thigh and the and the groin? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, they, I use that everywhere. It's I feel like Aquaphor is like white people's Robitussin. <laughs> 
You ever see like the Chris Rock bit where he talks about Robitussin? You just use it for everything. Yeah, it's, Aquifer is just a, it's a cure all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everything. It's it's helped out very much so. Uh, <laughs> but I'm here right now with uh, Caitlin Neal. Caitlin V. Oh, you do go the the full. I just go no, just Caitlin V. Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin V. Okay. Let me let me redo that so, in case the Neil is like uh, on, it's, on the it's DL. Not a secret, just nobody recognizes. Okay, but if I say Caitlin V, be like, oh, right now I got okay, gotcha. It's <laughs> it's a pimp named Slickback. I said Slickback. No, no, no. You got to say the whole <laughs> thing. It's a pimp named Slickback. It's Caitlin V. Neil, and <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, Caitlin is uh, the host of HBO's Good Sex. Uh, I still call it HBO because I dead name tech companies. But yeah, Max uh, <laughs> and uh, Discovery Plus Good Sex. <laughs> yes, which I was uh, I was watching earlier today, and I uh, you also do um, sex education videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. and you're you're still doing the sex coaching. Yeah, yeah, I coach. I uh, I have I coach, and then I have a team of coaches who work for me as well. Oh, amazing. Now, can you remind me, because I, I, I know there's like a very specific difference between sex therapist and a sex coach and just person giving you their opinion about sex. <laughs> sure. And, you know, there's a uh, there's a fine line between all of those at times. Yeah. So sex therapists go to school and have the credentials and the licensure and uh, they have oversight and, you know, a, a state board usually. Sex coaches, not so... Uh, not so much oversight. Uh, I am a certified sex coach. I was certified in the erotic blueprints. I've got a couple other coaching certifications. But the way that I like to break it down is a therapist is there to help you understand how you got here. So they're looking at your past, your maybe your childhood, your relationship with your parents, et cetera. Sex coach is all about getting you to where you want to go. So when my clients come to me, they have a really specific goal. They're dealing with ED, premature ejaculation, uh, delayed ejaculation where they can't finish. I'm helping them to get to the place that they want to be. Now, it's therapists also help them get to where they want to mm-hmm. be. And coaches also need to understand where you've come from and your history in order to help you get there. But coaching is a little more goal-oriented. Therapy is a little more maybe like healing-oriented. And as a coach, I tend not to work with people who have like really deep traumatic experiences mm-hmm. that they need to unpack. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody's got trauma, especially when it comes to yeah. sex. But you're like, I don't right? really have a puppet for that one. Yeah, exactly. I don't do, you know, you've got like a personality disorder or, you know, some deep seated uh, depression or anxiety, you know, more than just the average person. I just assume that the average person is dealing with a little bit of depression and yeah. anxiety, right? Like if you, if you we are more, all living in the same world, right? If you're dealing with a lot more depression and anxiety than I personally am dealing with, then I'm probably going to uh, send you over to a therapist. But for the most part, like I think everyone could benefit from a little help in the bedroom, a little mm-hmm. like outside opinion, a little guidance, uh, whether you want to get that from a book or a video course or like, you I think best one-on-one with someone who can actually like chew on and reflect back to you what's going on and give you some helpful guidance. Mm-hmm. And and when did you become such a sex nerd? Oh, I was born this way. You were born this way? I really was, yeah. I was born I, with this haircut, Billy. <laughs> that's number two of possibly three I, or four references to That's not even a joke. I have had a similar haircut to this since I was in kindergarten. Yeah? I first got my hair cut short when I was four years old. And I have not had it grown past my chin ever since. No, right. I, I really was born like this. Very, very rad. Uh, when I was like 14, I uh, I realized that sex ed was bullshit. What we were being taught in my public school in Michigan was absolute You got nonsense. taught something in your public school in Michigan? I mean, I got taught about syphilis. I got taught about unintended pregnancy. I didn't get taught anything about sex for pleasure, right? Which was nonsense. I figured out how to masturbate when I was really young. Like three years old, my parents had a, a 
uh, bathtub with the jets mm-hmm. in it, right? And I, you know, pushed myself up against the jet, felt that felt pretty good, figured out how to continue that with my hand and like this vibrating pen that Nickelodeon had or some whatever. <laughs> Anyways, so I had this relationship with my body and with orgasm before I knew what sex or orgasm even was. Mm-hmm. And then I got to school and they're putting, you know, uh, all the warning flags about sex. And you should say it's like teaching driver's ed, but only focusing on accidents right. instead of how to drive, yeah. right? And that you use your car usually to go from point A to point B. And accidents are hopefully a very small percentage of the overall driving experience. But sex ed is taught as if accidents are the only thing that ever happens. Correct. It's always like the worst Google images of pick your disease that you want to scare kids out of. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, right then and there, this is what I'm going to do. I used to have my dad drop me off at like the actual bookstore mm-hmm. back in the day. And I would sit there I and I would this. read the the books on like sex, but it was like the technique books, not the erotic fiction stuff. Yeah. So I've just been nerding out ever since. Uh, so like, how old were you when you were like, I want to do something in this sex world professionally? For that 14? age, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you remember you had to get like a .edu email address to get on Facebook? Uh, yep. As soon as I got accepted to college, I put sexologist as my major. Yeah, no lie. Did that, but did that like how where? What's your frame of reference for that? Like I, we had we had internet. We're not old. We had we had we had, we had it. We had no, STDs I had no and idea everything. what it meant. I just <laughs> knew that I was going to do. Yeah. What I was going to do for a living was help people to enjoy sex. Okay. And I went the hard science route. I went empirical science because my, my parents really wanted me to co- go to college. Right. So I got a public health degree and I was doing sex uh, kind of like from a lab perspective, uh, studying bacterial vaginosis and women who have sex with women and men and uh, like, you know, uh, published on a couple studies. And I loved part of it but i absolutely hated getting stuck in like the ivory tower Mm -hmm. and feeling like i wasn't really helping people so at night i was volunteering for all these groups lgbtqia student orgs uh unhoused and housing unstable youth and polyamory and non-monogamous groups so i was like going and leading these groups and doing sex ed in the evening and living for that and then just kind of like slogging through my research job Mm -hmm. uh during the day and eventually i got all the way up to my doctorate and i was in my doctorate program and i was like is this all I'm going to do, like I'm going to sit in this room with the beautiful view, typing up papers for other researchers to do read. Theory. Yeah. When there's people on the ground who I could just be with tonight and help them. And they, you know, people come up and say like, hey, I took your piece of advice or I, I applied that in my life and like it worked and thank you so much. And it changed my life or my relationship and things are feeling so much better now. I have less shame. I have less... Like that is what I was living for. I wanted to have that yeah. impact. So that's when you were I were like good Wilma started. hunting. Like you were just saying like a sex research paper on fire. Like, you know how fucking easy this is for me? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's when I left. I started my coaching business and that yeah. was like, I don't know, almost eight years ago now. Wild, wild. Yeah. And, and, but like back, so back 14, you're, you figured out this word sexology. Like what's your, what are you, is it just the books at the bookstore? Like when are you starting to find like resources and what were you finding? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I guess it had to have been the books. I don't know. I did not know. Do you remember any know. titles maybe from that you were reading back then? Yeah, it was Tracy Cox's Pocket Tracy Cox. Guide to Super Sex. Okay, she's yeah. been on the show. Oh, no way. Yeah. And that was the book that started it all for me. It's like really little. I bought it because it was, it's you know, maybe like four inches. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a, it's a small book. So I could hide it in my nightstand. And then, and then like, were you active in high school? Like what? Like sexually? Well, like, well, yeah. Well, like when you're reading all this stuff, how are you contextualizing it in your own, at the time, young life? Yeah, I started dating and had my first like intercourse uh, around the age of 15, I guess like late 14. 
uh, maybe 15 years old. And I was not sexually active with a lot of people. I had like just this one boyfriend for a few years at that time, but I was really sexually active with him and I just like wanted to try every single thing. So, Andy, was he like super game and excited or is he terrified? Yeah. No, he, he was game and excited. And like looking back on it, I was very fortunate. My parents, you know, okayed me to go on birth control. I think they kind of knew like. Sounds like they were pretty cool. Uh, we just didn't talk about it. Okay. You know, there wasn't like an open conversation going on. I think uh-huh. I was I was pretty hush about it and they kind of looked the other way. Even though they're dropping you off at the but they don't know what I was buying though. Right. right. I think I wasn't telling them. I did I did tell them when I was like 17 getting ready to go to college that I was going to do sex for a living, for mm-hmm. sure. And they were hoping it was a phase. Yeah. And but they were I have very supportive uh, parents mm-hmm. and so they were like, "Yep, you do you, honey, like go for it." But I think it, internally they did not expect that it was actually going to last. Actually, my parents told me that I was that I they knew I was bisexual when I eventually came out to them. They sort at of four like with the haircut. That's number three. I did. <laughs> Everyone at home, keep track. I didn't actually really need to tell them that I was bisexual. I, my, I asked my dad to rent a movie from Blockbuster because we are kind of old, um, <laughs> and it was a, a movie about a bisexual woman. My dad goes, "You know, I'm on to you, right?" And I was like, "Oh." Oh, I don't think I was on to me at that point. I was like, shit, he's right. Did he out you to you? He outed me to me. Yeah, he he held up that mirror to me. So, I, what they were, movie was this? I had Heather Graham in it. Heather Graham, but okay. I, I don't think that describes a single. I think she might have been involved in more than one movie where there's bisexual women. Yeah, that I think that would track. It I, was not Boogie Nights. I did not watch that until last year. No, oh, uh, <laughs> epic movie. Epic movie. If you can stay awake for the whole thing. Then it's a great movie. That instantly became one of my favorite movies. Because you know, ultimately it's about family. And Burt Reynolds in that movie is like the ultimate daddy. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I walked away from that movie just going like, can we appreciate all of the daddies out there who are holding it together? Not perfectly, you know, not not doing it perfect all the time, but like doing their damnedest to mm-hmm. to look out for all the <laughs> all of us out here. Okay. So so you're pre- you're pretty like active, precocious. Like you understand all the stuff. Uh, I was such a nerd school. that I yeah. have a diary of my journal, my like planner from high school, and I kept track of all the times that I had sex, positions, orgasms, like other oh notes. My God. Oh you're, yeah, what, what, uh, you're uh, you're the chick from Mallrats. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and I like that you knew that reference. Good. Yeah, this is yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's like did you little haggard in this met inside this met outside. Uh huh. Yeah, symbols, right? Because of course I was you know fifteen. I didn't want anybody to find my journal and be like Corey came inside of my vagina. You know, like I didn't I didn't want that level of uh, detail. Yeah, that doesn't need to like accidentally oh my discover God, I that. Hope he never hears this. He was Catholic and parents weren't supportive of that. But 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 it sounds like like my parents, uh, you you weren't. We didn't really talk about it, but they didn't put give you the gift of shame. That's a perfect way of putting it mm. yeah like the only i mean the only shame like i was giving was like my dad called me like jerking off like a couple times on the family computer and like yelled and screamed at me kind of but like it was more like a like uh what if someone else what if one of your sisters caught you and two was like you're supposed to get a chick to do that for you like he shamed me for <laughs> oh, not being able to pick up a girl at 15 which is a kind which is a you know a kind of shame <laughs> that can really stick with you too totally totally I, I, somehow i got over that it, it i seems- got in trouble more with my friend's parents because i right. would go over to their house I, we had a lot of supervision our family computer was in the kitchen mm-hmm. uh Same. and i looked up dildos at my friend's parents 
house and I was never invited to come back to her house ever again after that, which I thought like dildos, look, he does a very vanilla search even then, yeah. right? I think it was like dildo.com too. Right, but we you're the, like you're the kid who's exposing. I was the I've one. had a lot of yeah. you on this show where like you're the one who's exposed it to the other kids and then all the parents hated you. Yep, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was partially me. Okay, so like college must have been like awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think by that time I had a... Uh, I had a, a, a deeper understanding of um, what was going to be problematic to other people and what wasn't. Because my parents, so I grew up in the Midwest, and I actually think the majority of the shame that was instilled in me came through other my, my friends and their parents. Mm. Like when I figured out that I was masturbating was around the same time that I made best friends with someone else who was Catholic. Um, and I learned what I was doing was wrong and bad through her. And then I came to my mom and I was like, oh my God, am I going to go to hell because I've been doing this thing? I've been like making myself feel good in between my legs. No, you're going to go to hell because you're bisexual. It's very different. <laughs> You don't have to worry about that. Worry about everything else, kid. Uh, and my mom was like, just so you know, what you're doing is okay. Like, you're fine. You're not going to be punished for it. And, you know, I'm sorry that so-and-so's mom has got you feeling this way. So that that's that. the shame that I got mostly was like, I felt so free to talk about these things, and I still do. And I think my superpower is making these like vulnerable conversations feel really safe for people who don't feel comfortable having them. That's what makes me a good coach. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn really quickly when to use that and when to hold back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even just telling people that I'm a sex coach, when I started early on, I was on a flight to Chicago. I told the guy next to me that I was a sex coach. We had been talking, by the way. It's not like I turned to him and was like, hi, I'm a sex coach. What do you do? He, upon hearing that, threw his phone onto the ground. It shocked him so much that he literally chucked his cell phone at the plane floor, got beat red, was like, oh my God, my wife is going to find out that I've been talking to you. She's going to wonder why I came to Chicago. She's going to be, I was like, whoa, whoa, did you did, whoa, did you come to Chicago for something nefarious? Are like, you wired? Am, right, am I? <laughs> Are you wearing a, <laughs> what's going they, on? They have really good service in this plane. Dude, like, blink twice. If you need help, we'll call the attendant. It's so strange to see how other people can. We'll get a male attendant so your wife doesn't think right, anything right. weird. <laughs> It, it, it's, it is interesting when like, you know, when we deal about like with sex and dating and particularly with sex and, uh, you know, for our jobs and then we got to go like interact with the gen pop. It's it's when do I <clears throat> like I was at my, I had my sister's wedding last month and she didn't give me a plus one. And my kind of whole thing was like, you should require me to bring a plus one yeah. just to keep me occupied. So I'm not talking to your people. Right. I have a naked comedy show the following weekend. You, how many questions do you think it's going to take before that comes up? Right, especially when it is so pervasive in our life. It's like it's not buried down underneath. I, it's at the surface. There's not much I can do to hide. Right. It's like, what do I'm you a, do for a living? I can even <laughs> go, I'm a comedian. I'm a, I, I'm a podcaster. The second question will immediately bring us to yeah. tr to trouble. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah I, try to, I try to get people off my case when I don't want to talk about it. It'll be like, I'm an influencer. Oh, because yeah. it'll be like, I just want to get 20 feet away from Exactly. You. That's usually such a conversation ender, but it's always the people who I least want to talk to who are like, oh, yeah, tell me more about that. I'm like, I live in LA. Like, man, like, can't you just get that this is a conversation ending question, not starting? <laughs> no, you need to find that New York audacity. Be like, I don't really want to have a conversation with a stranger right now. Oh, yeah, but I always feel but like you seem really nice. Like, like, but I'm just, I don't have it today. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That was a, that's a, that's. I'm borrowing that the next yeah. time in an uh, awkward Uber ride. Good, good, because well, yeah, that I don't know what that is about LA. Y'all want to talk to each other in the shared Uber? No, they don't usually. We don't do okay, here. It's don't talk to me. Right, here, I so everyone's like, got our earbuds in. 
Ironically, New Yorkers are way more apt to talk to strangers, I think, than people in Los Angeles. Sure, sure. But I, I find in the Uber ride, I usually don't want to. It's it's uh, on the street, at the bodega, in the coffee shop, uh-huh. we'll, we'll do that. Well, okay, I like that. You seem really nice, but I just don't have it in me to talk to strangers today. Yeah, yeah. Mom told me not to talk to strangers today, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin V, you can uh, go Good Sex on HBO. Yeah. There. It's nice to have a credit like that. You can just like throw that out there and someone will be like, they at least know what HBO or Max is. It is, yeah. Right? You're, you're very credible when you say that. I have to say man or podcast and either they're like never heard of it, which I'll be like, probably. Or they say, what's a podcast? I'm like, and that's why I, you know, I'm begging people for $2 a month on Patreon. <laughs> Give this man $2 a month on Patreon, folks. <laughs> you know, I listened to your podcast when I started coaching. Wait, what? I found, you said you've been doing this nine years. Okay, yeah. Okay, so about, I would say seven years ago, when I first left my PhD and I was starting my coaching business and starting my YouTube channel, I went to see who else was talking about sex in the space. And I found the Manhor podcast and I started listening to it. I'm ashamed to say I didn't keep up for all the past seven years. That is the most popular of opinions. You've uh, been on my you've been on my radar for a long time. You are my stitcher, which is now closed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, like, I don't, I don't consume a lot of media because I w- went to sign into Stitcher the other day and they were like, Doesn't we exist. don't exist anymore. I was like, oh, cool. I guess i'll get on apple then thanks <laughs> oh that's uh that's so cool I, I i hope you listen to be like here's everything um i shouldn't do or say or think uh i've been listening to some old episodes recently and i'm just like oh 24 or 25 year old billy's opinions not valid well that's what, it takes a lot of courage to be a content creator and i say this as a youtuber because i have had to go back and issue corrections and say like you know i said this in this video i don't believe it anymore do i take that video down like i don't some of it was still quality mm. like you know i try to put like my little uh note by the way i really don't believe in semen retention for majority of men anymore i did for a minute i think if you have an immaculate diet which we were texting about earlier today you know but it, it the 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 data shows that in order to likely okay it's it's correlation not necessarily causation but uh to decrease your chance of getting prostate cancer especially throughout your 20s and 40s you should be ejaculating a minimum of 21 times a month it doesn't mean having sex it just you should be wanking it or coming 21 times a month so semen retention if you have a great diet exercise lifestyle that's like part of your practice if you're doing it consciously intentionally Mm -hmm. great but I don't think that for the average guy, especially in his 20s or 40s, like you live in America, you live normal American life, like you should be coming. There's no superpowers you're getting out of this. <laughs> not if you're not doing it intentionally, right? As with all things, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, but, but, you know, when you say, uh, you know, what do you do with the old stuff? And, you know, I, I don't know, I'm like a big fan of growth and change. So like, I don't, like, for example, I don't usually delete old tweets. Uh, it's more like, I, you know, um, I'll delete it if I don't think it was ever funny. If I was, right. like that's because that's even then I, it wasn't funny. That's my metric. You know, I, I like to just show like growth and change rather than like pretend I was perfect. Yeah. And especially when we do what we've been doing for as long as we have. Yeah. Like I, I've listened to old intros where I had woo, takes and then I don't do anything with it. I don't like go edit it now. I just go like, well, I know that like my more recent stuff shows otherwise, right? Yeah. And, uh, or I know if somebody will ever want to be like, I found this episode in this timestamp from early 2016. I'll be like, okay, well, why don't you ask me how I feel now? Right. Then I'll tell you. Yeah, let's you. have an updated conversation because yeah. that's what really matters. And I hope it's inspirational to people who are thinking about starting their own podcast or YouTube channel or TikTok or whatever, like putting themselves out there because perfectionism is definitely the number one thing that gets mm-hmm. in everyone's way uh, before they'll put themselves on video or on audio. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to do it perfect. Guess what? Five, 10 years, if you wait, you're not going to do it perfect then either. Yeah. I'm going to look back on stuff I've been saying today on YouTube and cringe at it 10 years from now, probably if I know better. But 
Like you can't let perfection. Don't be afraid to go out there and just like make stuff that's cringe. Okay. Yeah. Great. What, what has it been like, um, you know, since you started creating and putting stuff on YouTube, what was it like being out there dating? Cause that's something that I find that like is very heavily comes up in, in my sex and dating life is the fact that I do this. So I have been in a relationship the entire time that I've been on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Um, when's this episode going to come out? Uh, next Wednesday. Are you planning on breaking up with someone or getting no, with someone I, I in actually, this time frame? I'm actually getting divorced right now. Well, I, I knew that. So yeah. I haven't announced that on my own <gasps> YouTube channel, but it's fine. I'm happy. Okay, you cool. can. We can. This could be the the moment. I'm happy to make breaking it the exclusive. news on the Man Horror Podcast for all the sex, Caitlin V fans. Famous sex coach Caitlin V is getting divorced. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it's like to date since. Well, that's not true because I'm not monogamous. Right. So I have been dating. I was about I was about to call you on that. I was like, what do you mean? You yeah, but I haven't been dating like that. With with that much like effort behind it, so I have been recognized on the apps. I've been on Field, okay, because uh, that's very popular for non monogamous folks. Uh, and the first person who I matched with, no, I, I I was also on Hinge very briefly. First person I matched with on Hinge was like I watched your video on how to make a dating profile, and I was like, well, no wonder I've matched with you because I told you exactly what I like in a dating profile, <laughs> <laughs> which was I don't even recall. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, it was probably just like be personable and don't be so fucking vanilla and get your fucking picture taken. Yeah. Like go get a get a friend or a photographer, maybe someone who just has a good eye. Go spend five hours taking pictures, like get a couple different angles, get a couple different looks, get a couple. Yeah. Like guys, for some reason, they're just phoning in their pictures, I think was my number one piece of advice. Okay. Don't do that. Yeah. I think the best uh, tip I ever got was each photo should have serve a distinct purpose. Yeah, and I think there was data, I don't know if this holds up anymore, that was men's pictures where they're not looking direct to camera do slightly better. So you want to have a mixture of you looking at camera and away from camera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or like pictures, like, well, if you're like getting your uh, shot doing stuff, like if I'm on stage, right, things like that. Right, in your career. It sh yeah, show you something that shows you what works on here and a comp right. but it shouldn't just be all selfies Something and you're shots. doing recreational yeah they Unless give you a chance to put like five or six photos up like make sure each one tells a different story yeah yeah that was that's my that was the favorite tip i ever got but i do agree men but the, you know the bar for us is so it's low, so low. Anyway, it's, so. it's so low so why not at least meet it slash exceed it just ever so slightly so, i trip over it every day so now so now i am going to find out what it is like to be more actively dating and well, when uh, when did you meet your ex husband or soon to be ex husband? Uh soon to be ex husband. I met him nine years ago and I started my coaching business a year later. Uh-huh. I started my YouTube channel maybe um within a year after that. So and you were doing this uh, research before that, right? Yeah. Okay. And so what was what was that like starting the channel being in the relationship? I mean, it was great. He was a photographer, videographer. So okay. he already had all of the equipment and the lighting and was able to take care of all of the technical stuff for me. So I didn't have to figure that stuff out. Uh, and I was, I got some YouTube success on someone else's channel before I had my channel started. I made a video uh, about squirting for a channel that had like a quarter million subs at the time. And that that video just took off. So I, once I launched my channel, we just linked from that squirting video to my channel and I started picking up coaching applications and subscribers right away. Amazing. So I had a, I have a pretty unique story in terms of like, I got lift really early in my career. Okay. I think the thing that my soon to be ex-husband, he was, he's very image conscious and he's very uh, like brand conscious. So he was always cautioning me from maybe going too far, sharing too much. I have a tendency to be like a little 
crude and unrefined, especially when I was, what, 26, 27 when we were starting this thing. Okay. Uh, I could be a little brash. So he helped me to kind of hone that and remind me that I may want to have like a corporate sponsor one day or I may, you know, you can't take it back if you put it out into the world. So I really appreciate that about him. And I'm grateful now because now that I'm no longer involved with him, I think I can have a little bit more of my own uh, judgment without his sort of influence, which was mm. a protective influence. But there's probably more things that I would have shared if I hadn't had uh, someone encouraging me not to. So we'll see. So there wasn't any like uh, reluctance about like, oh no, are you going to like tell people about our sex life on your YouTube channel? Like, did you ever have to have those conversations? Because I usually have to have some sort of like podcast talk if I'm seeing someone long enough. Yeah. I think he discouraged me from sharing too much about our sex life, but he understood that it was like part part for, part of the job. Okay. I also just between us and everyone listening, I don't think he really watched much of my content. <laughs> so I don't know if he knows how much I shared about our sex life. And who knows? Well, now that we're not married, I may share more. I don't know. What of your personal sex and dating life goes in the public space and what doesn't? What's for you? What what gets to be for everyone else? Yeah, I you know, sometimes I share sex stories uh, and I don't remember necessarily, like in that moment, it felt right to share it. And later I never would have thought or remembered that I shared it, but like my clients or people in the comments will bring up that I shared it. Like apparently I shared about being airtight once at, a, at an orgy. I was airtight. It was great. Congratulations. It. Yeah, it was so much fun. It uh, <laughs> was like so long ago too. And I, I mentioned that somewhere, and now I've mentioned it on the Man Whore podcast, so I'll know where else I mentioned it. But people write in the comments like all the time when she says stuff like this, I remember her telling us that she was there tight. And I'm like, I don't regret saying that, you know? Yeah. There are other, so one of the things about being a woman in this space, right, is that when we share about our sexual escapades, we are opening ourselves up to slut shaming, but we're also, in my opinion, walking the walk, right? Like, I don't want people to experience sexual shame. So if, if I model that I don't experience shame over the decisions that I've made or the things that I've done, which is not to say that I don't have any shame, but like, can I just come out and be very clear and honest and transparent? This is what I've done in my own personal life. Here's why I think that you should try it. I also kind of land on the side of an educator. That's my number. I'm an educator and a coach. Those are mm. my uh, kind of core personalities and where I'm coming from. So when I'm sharing, it, whether it's personal or not, uh, I'm usually coming from that perspective. I want to uh, educate people. And so people fill in the blanks, right? Like yeah. if I do a lot of content about like how to have great anal, guys in the comments are always like, well, she knows because she does it. It's like, all right, fine. Yeah. You caught me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, me. Right. I like some anal. Oops. Right. Oops. Yeah. And I think don't don't we want people who are willing to share? And when I first left my research background, you know, research is very like clean and clinical. You do not talk about your personal life I at all. I don't have them on any very much. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make for great guests. It's 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 very impersonal and very like disassociated. Justin Laymiller really playing dodge exactly. with me for well, an know, hour. The studies like, show. I didn't know I was going to have to talk about me. Right. Research <laughs> says uh, we recently did. A but what does research say about your bedroom, Justin? Right? What does it say about you? That's what I want to know. Yeah. So I feel like I have a responsibility. When has that research come up in your life, though? That's, right. I was like, man. I I never felt so active in a fucking interview. <laughs> That's why I left academia. It just didn't make enough space for humanness. Mm -hmm. And how do you decide what gets to be like, I mean, do you get to have sexual secrets from not maybe your personal people, but from the public? I mean, yeah, I think I'm, it's like a moment to moment decision. I can't say that I have like a strategic filter. Mm -hmm. I'd say on one hand, I identify as a pretty private person overall. Yeah. Who's publicly airtight. Who's very 
Yeah, yeah, who's publicly airtight. Yeah, I think to me, I'd rather share about this kind of stuff, uh, my sexual escapades, my life, my relationships, how I think about those things. But like, I don't know, to me, it just doesn't seem that vulnerable. And I get for other people that it does. But again, if it, it, it's only supposed to be vulnerable. Um, what do they say about like, um, if you're not scared, then you're, um, if it's not brave, if you weren't scared of the thing, yeah, right. Know. Then you're some, then you're like reckless or dumb. Right. But like, right. if you're scared and then you still did it, that's what that's bravery brave. is because like, that. you know, but if you don't see it, you'd be like, Oh yeah. Why wouldn't I just run into this burning building? I'm not scared of fire. Right. Is a, so, so similarly, like if you're not instilled with the shame, then you don't necessarily know what I'm supposed to not share right. or share. Yeah. Right. It's like, I didn't, oh my, is that weird for y'all? Do y'all guys not share this with each other? Right. right. That's, that's where I kind of come from it. They were like, oh, Billy's so open. I'm like, I, I think it's more that you're not open. Right. It's so relative. Right. In my world and the people that I roll with and the communities that I'm a part of, this isn't, this doesn't need to be held privately because there's nothing shameful about it. Yeah. But, you know, I can never go back and get a nine to five at this point. So I'm like all in. Might as well keep going. Exactly. But then it's like, you know, I don't know. Like I've got one or two secrets and I'm like kind of, and I feel like, I should be allowed to have them because of everything else that I share. Totally. Right? So I don't know if I'm not asking you to reveal what they would be, but just like, do you feel like you still have secrets that you don't share people? And then I'll ask you what your eyes getting caught by. <laughs> I know. I, there's all this really great art on the wall behind uh, Billy's head and I keep looking at it, um, trying not to like get stuck on it. Yeah. I think I have plenty of secrets actually. I mean, I have plenty of fun anecdotes and sexy stories that I've not mm. come fully forward with. And sometimes I share a little bit of them or I'll kind of hide them behind maybe like a client story or something like a client told me this, but it was, you know, maybe part of a client's life and my personal life. So, okay, yeah, this is a really great question. I I, I will think more about that because I, I don't I don't know that I filter myself all that often. Well, I've been filtering myself around the divorce because that's been happening maybe for the past 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's still really fresh. I try not to share about anything that I haven't processed. Okay. You know? So if it's still fair. if it's still raw and emotional, I might say something that I that doesn't feel true later, you know? I like to and I think that's I haven't shared with my clients yet that I'm sure. getting divorced because inside of their client sessions, I don't want it to become about me. Right. Right. Or then for them to feel like they're caretaking me, especially yeah. since I'm a woman who works primarily with men, you know. Uh, I don't want to introduce that into the space. So I'm thoughtful about that. But I think I'm, you know, especially if in a client session, one on one, not public, I will share pretty much anything if I think it's going to help them to get the result that they're looking for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll I'll, I'll ask one. So what what's particularly catching the okay, eye? Okay. So the the painting of the penis, the erection the that has jizz? the glitter jizz. Yeah. Does that get all of your guests? The glitter uh, jizz? Some some. It's it's my favorite of them. But the, and the glitter jizz is what does it for the, me. Yeah. The glitter jizz yeah. is amazing. <laughs> I love I, I love the application because it looks like it is moving. The entire painting kind of has this impression of movement, mm -hmm. like the jizz is getting caught in the wind and it's actually like blowing back, like like it was spit and it's coming back towards the body. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love it. Gotcha. Yeah. I know there's a lot of stimuli uh, over my left there shoulder. There is. Yeah. You gave me the the chair with all the distractions. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That if I put you here, then you're just gonna be distracted by Susan the whole time, and I, I would hate for that. So. I mean, I would be. This is Trandon looking immaculate over there. My queen, covered in porn star signatures. Oh. <laughs> 
So have you, uh, how long have you been non-monogamous or mm. practicing? I realized that I was non-monogamous when I had my first boyfriend okay. and wanted to add a second boyfriend. <laughs> this, is, this is high school. This is high school, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just really remember this feeling of having both of them in my heart at the same time and feeling like I should not have to break up with one to love the other. I think that was my first inclination. And my non-monogamy, my style of non-monogamy has really shifted since then. I think at my heart, I'm a little mono-romantic. Like, mm -hmm. I would really like to have sort of maybe one primary relationship that's, like, very romantically involved and that I would base my sort of, like, life decisions and trajectory around. Mm -hmm. That's how I saw my marriage was, like, this is my ride or die. We're in it for the long haul. Like, that's the primary and every other partner is a secondary. But since dissolving my marriage, I really feel like in this moment, and this might change, this is just what's true for me today, I think I'm going to go back to a little bit more like a solo poly lifestyle where I can just have romantic partnerships with whoever feels right, mm -hmm. sexual partnerships with whoever feels right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I identify also as fray sexual. Okay. So this is a like little known, not a large population of folks identify as fray sexual. Maybe they just haven't heard of it, but it's when you have sexual attraction for people who you're not very close to. So I'm more sexually attracted to people who I just met or have like acquaintance style relationships with. Mm. As I become closer with people or as I become friends with folks, I tend not to want to mix sex and friendship. Mm. So like I'll get fun and flirty with my friends and, and make out or, you know, do some like, do, <laughs> do some like. I do casual fingering my I'll friends. I'll do casual know, like, no fingering. Yeah. I'll, Sometimes a friend's just having a hard time. I can help. I'll whatever. get sensual with my friends. Okay. How about that? But I typically don't get sexual with them. I prefer to have like sort of partners that I have sexual relationships with and then friends separately. I think that's just from maybe a deep seated belief, maybe a fear that I shouldn't cross those two streams because mm. when you start having sex with your friends it can get complicated there's very few people who are really really good at navigating all of the chemicals and feelings and stories and emotions that can come up around sex plus i hate the feeling that someone is expecting sex you know so if you start having sex with your friends and you come over to have dinner and they're like so are we ivana happy endings for everybody you know that that doesn't feel very good to me but a lot of that also comes from a part of me that had trouble being really clear with my boundaries mm. at different times in my life, just staying no, you know, staying here's what I'm available for. Felt like I couldn't lay those things out as clearly as I can today. Like the woman who exists today has no problem being like, hey, we had maybe mentioned that we would have sex later. I'm not feeling it. Thanks so much. Yeah. But but there was me, you know, not that long ago who would feel like I was letting people down. Yep. Didn't want to disappoint anyone so we just avoid the situation entirely i'm working on exactly that part right now that is exactly that's what i i've got i'm working on figuring out my complication with sex with my friends is that my friend circle is mostly like most of my close friends are people i am or used to have sex with right and then you know this year and i, I forget if it came up when we were at a museum of sex but it was like this year has been weird and up and down for me and uh, like libido has been operating in a way I'm not used to before. And so I also like started getting really antisocial this summer and I didn't want to see anybody or interact with anyone. And then I was like, Oh, I don't think sex is starting to make me really anxious. So I would love to hang out with friends, but then all the friends have this sex attached. So then that was freaking me out. And then I'm not really left with friends. So then I'm looking around I'm like, Oh shit, do I not have friends? I don't fuck. Ah, problem. Like, so I don't, my complication with the having sex with your friends isn't like drama 
or whatever. It's the, well, we're, we're friends when we don't have sex, right? Right. Even though that's true, and I know they all would be fine with it. Right. In my head, that's right. how I'm like. Right. You have to come up with the words to be able to describe that and like really own how you're feeling about it and, and be able to communicate that to other people. I imagine this is probably someone who has uh, is dealing with like alcoholism mm. and like drinks with their friends. Yeah. Right? And then goes like, well, can we have sober hangs yeah. or not? And that's really scary. Or do I like these people when I'm so? It's like yeah, all, then scary. you you hang out with them sober. You're like all of a sudden you're like, why the fuck do I hang out with you assholes? Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think we all go through seasons, right? Yeah. Where seasons where we want a lot of friendship and companionship and community, and seasons where we don't, mm-hmm. and we want to be a little bit more insular and isolated. And I think it's all about like the graceful transition between those seasons. Like that's the most important part is not getting stuck in either one of those seasons. Plenty of people out there with social anxiety would rather just be home, but are going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like just forcing themselves to because that's what's expected mm-hmm. of them. And then there's people who are like us. I, I read you as more of an extrovert and I am too. And then sometimes I'm like, I want to be alone. What the fuck is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay home and be alone. Like that, yeah. that is actually more difficult for me to confront sometimes. Yeah. And it's it, part of the breakup has been finding a lot of peace and like, I actually really like my own company and I didn't get to have a lot of it living with a partner for the last nine years. Like, let me explore that. Yeah. This this is just a season I'm not used to. This would be sure. like if I, I've always been in the Caribbean, I finally went, you know, to Alaska. Right. It's like all of a sudden, like, whoa, I don't even know how to handle this season. Right. And so part of the thing this year, I was like, maybe I need guy friends because I don't have, I don't really have guy yeah. friends. I'm not in a group chat, and I'm just like, I got I got to get into a group chat with some dudes. But the problem is a lot of the dudes, um, <laughs> you know, aren't guys. I'm like, I don't know how close I want to be with you. Uh, when I when you start hearing them talk, it's that's the thing with men, right? It's, yeah. they're doing great till you hear them talk for too long. Myself Ken's, included, Ken's, by the way. Ken's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think making friends as an adult is different too. Like you have to really be open to it, and I think it is easier to make friends with women, mm-hmm. just in general. Always has because women are mo- generally more open to just like having a connection. Yeah, and yeah. when I was a kid, those were the you know women generally were the ones who weren't teasing me and beating me up. At school, so I was, was more comfortable talking to them. And then, the, and then in adulthood, what happened was, if you're kind of cute and you seem safe and you're friendly and stuff, and your friends are also pretty, I don't know, sexual in general, I don't know, then they start being like, "Well, I'm attracted to you because you you're not scary and you're cute. Let's fuck around, and then we'll talk about our feelings before and afterwards." <laughs> like that's just what would end up happening. I don't know. Um, and so, like, I'm, I'm I've been you know wrestling with that. Well, one year. of the assignments I give to every single one of my male coaches like mm-hmm. or the guys that i'm coaching is to reconnect with some of their guy friends from the past so maybe you don't have to go find new you know maybe there are what maybe guy a friends handful. from the past i got I, what guy I know, maybe friends from like the past? from college or before no my, co- my college friend circle was like a bunch of chicks and a gay guy Vinny. like that was my oh. crew um i was like the token straight dude in my all four years of college in my like we had this other crew of guys from like in the business school sometimes uh-huh. would mix with us but this i don't know i didn't always completely joke because i just always well, think maybe, i was more feminine to them maybe it's maybe it's for you to just lean in and make some non-sexual female friends i'm working on it lean i'm trying i'm trying um i even did a thing that was real scary where i have a very close friend who we were like uh you know fuck buddies but like the the, the we're friends we grew very close i love this woman i have a lot of care for her um and i want for a, a few reasons one being like my up and down and what's going on with my sexuality but it was like um some stuff going on with her so i i said i wanted to remove sex from the friendship which is terrifying we went on a walk for like a half hour to an hour and you know i basically i like i broke up i like half broke up with her i like broke up right. the sex part and saying like I want 
I want to keep doing this, but I want to just take sex out. I don't know if it's forever. I don't know for how long. How'd it go? I, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And like by the time we got circled back to her place, like we're both like hugging and crying. And it, like it felt like a breakup. Yeah. And then, you know, she had a little travel. She had some travel she was doing. And when we finally reconnected, it was good. But it, it felt like a breakup. And then all the anxiety until we could finally like start talking daily again and hang out in person again of like, okay, so like, can we be friends if there's, we're not making out? Like, yeah, it was weird. I've never done that before. Interesting. Transitions. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I've ended stuff before, but I've never like ended stuff and, but we're still going to stay. Tired. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with my soon to be ex-husband mm-hmm. is like, there's still so much love between us. Like we, we didn't end our relationship because there wasn't love. Like okay. we ended it because the way that we do let me see how I want to phrase this. We had different morals and values and ideas about how to do non-monogamy. Okay. And I think that our relationship had become very companionate. You know, we like ran a business together. We were a power couple. We could do anything together that we set right. our mind to. I mean, with that haircut, it's at number you four. See his I haircut. was going to ask that if he number, also that has was six. By the way, that was <laughs> not number four. <laughs> I, I would imagine like, he, does he also look like he, he plays pro soccer? Like, oh, a hundred percent looks like he plays pro soccer. Okay, because yeah, yeah, both yeah. of y'all look like you play for the national team. I will uh, show you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, we, tell me you don't while, get like a little had, Megan Rapinoe vibe. Oh, right? I do. Come yeah. <laughs> I'm very proud to have Megan Rapinoe vibes. Uh, for a while, we had a pretty similar haircut. Almost Cute. exactly the same. Yeah. 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 He even bleached his blonde for a minute. There was almost mm. too much. How much does the fray sexual stuff get into what happened with the marriage? Well, very much so because I didn't like having sexual relationships with friends and he did. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge conflict for us throughout our entire relationship. Why, and why was that a conflict? Just, I mean, because it's a, it's a, it's an orientation thing. It's almost well, I mean, like, I mean, like, well, like a you... mixed orientation. Like if one person is Paula and the other is mono, like that's going to be a problem, right? And but why is it a problem for him to have sex with his friends if and you're not having like if that's who he cho- is going to end up fucking? What was your complication? Well, I think that, that? It, it complicated my relationships with my friends. These are the same friends. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, hard time for you to friends. stay friends yeah. with Danielle if he, you know he fucks Danielle. Exactly right, yeah. All yeah. right, you made a face like Danielle might have been one of the people. My bad if it was. No, uh, that's not the I name. Totally but yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You're, no, you're exactly right. It was just a little bit like uh, one of the things I value the most about my friendships is the ability to go and process. I'm a verbal processor. I love talking like about – ha- I need to talk about things. That is how I work. So I need to be able to talk to my – female friends and trusted friends about what's going on in my relationship in order to process that. And so if they're like also sleeping with my husband, it made it like a little bit of a conflict of interest. It just didn't feel good. And I actually had to end several friendships um, because women were carrying on relationships with my husband. I get an uglier husband. What? It's gotta get an uglier husband. I do. <laughs> next I, next husband will definitely be less attractive let, let, than this one. At least less of your friends will wanna Yeah. I mean them. it came to the point where like when I would start making new friends, I'd be like, just so you know, my husband I don't want you to have sex with my husband. Like mm. if that's a thing that you are like really committed to doing, if that's really important to you, like just so you know, like I'm not gonna continue to deepen this relationship. And you can pursue him if you'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. How how I mean y'all were together like uh, totality, how long? Like Nine years. Nine years. And so how, how, I mean, I guess I think I've had 
because I've only been in my like proper adult life in non-monogamous relationships. And so I've had, I've sometimes been given the rule of like, you know, when we're discussing, okay, like what, what do we want to set up? You know, I remember my ex Megan was like, uh, please don't fuck my friends. Yeah. Which would be a little complicated because it's very popular. So I was like, okay, can we like just, can you How kind close? of define? Inner circle, yeah, outer circle, Like half of Jersey City removed. is your friend. So yeah. it's just, do I need to stay out of that And zip you can't code? retroactively say, hey, that was my friend. Like we got to announce that they were friends first, right? Yeah. I just, I just want to get an understanding. You know, I just told an accident. I was like, I'll just change my match radius. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. And so, but so, and then I've had another girlfriend where like she would kind of like bring me to have sex with her friends all the time. You know, we had a, uh, a, a six-way date night like it was three couples we had like a movie night and then like we blindfolded all the guys at one point and the women went around blo- taking turns blowing each guy to like so we could see who could guess which blowjob was which right? i was the only one who got three out of three no nice. big deal I, I know my girl and i saw i was like mm, her lips are from small i yeah that's wow hers. It's, a real professional <laughs> i'm a sommelier of uh of sex i don't know oh that's gross okay it works actually Some of sex. a sex sommelier sex yeah sommelier. but like the, the, that would be a fun party it's like wine cheese and who's in my mouth but yeah anyway, to your point like people every when i got together with my husband we both were like i'm non-monogamous Great. Great. What we didn't get is that that does not describe a whole lot about a person. Uh-huh. Like just like saying I am monogamous doesn't describe a whole lot about you. I mean, it 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 helps to dis maybe discern that you're not going to be into certain things. But like people do non monogamy in a whole bunch of different ways. There's people who are poly who want to have multiple emotional relationships. There's people who just want to swing and have sex with people without ever having to you know call them or develop a, a connection with them. Like. It doesn't tell you a whole lot about a person. It's like, yeah. I like to travel, you know? Like, do you like to travel and sleep in hostels and go to remote places and, uh, and like, you know, rough it? Or do you, you like to have a bougie, you know, Paris vacation where you're shopping and sipping wine and people watching and going to museums? Like, yeah. travel is a really broad category of, of interest. So we have to be way more specific before we agree that we have alignment with another person. So you were not allowed to be like, hey, I would like you to not have sex with my friends. Mostly I would say that we figured it all out the hard way just by mm. like constantly making mistakes and hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were, uh, fairness to him, I'll, I'll do it this in this direction. Uh, what was a mistake that you made that y'all had to kind of have a row about? I didn't make any mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, and it's okay, funny, right? like, even though he's my ex, I probably should talk to him about how much of this he, he does want to share. Uh, and I, I do feel like I would honor his consent and I have a right to share my own story, right? Yeah. Um, what is a mistake that I made? Okay, I thought you were serious when you said you didn't make any mistakes. Uh, I mean, I think, I'll be honest, I think I made less. Sure. Okay. Uh, and, and part of that is just because I have the privilege of working yeah. as a sex and relationship coach. So I think about this stuff all the time. I have a really high emotional intelligence. Mm. I have, I'm really good at empathizing and putting yeah. myself in someone else's shoes. Really good at communicating about these things. Yeah. I, and I studied this. I study it. I do yeah. it for a living. One mistake for sure that I made early and somewhat often uh, was I would not speak up when something became uncomfortable. Okay. So like when I perceived that he was maybe uh, that is, flirting or that connecting. That is the, um, what, what's one of your flaws in a job interview? And you're like, I'm just, I'm just too in love with my work. I'm, I was just, no, I was <laughs> too nice. I was too much of a people pleaser. I'd be like, well, this is making me super uncomfortable, but I don't want to ruin anyone else's time. So right. I won't say anything. And then I would wait until I was absolutely boiling over, like about to explode. Mm-hmm. 
and because I didn't want to to get in anybody else's way. So like I was taking, you know, my I was putting myself last, right? Putting everybody else's good time first instead of just stopping uh, and saying like, hey, can we do a check in here? Like no, nobody here verbally consented to what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge on consent. So like things would start taking maybe like a sexual turn and I would be like, uh, we didn't talk about this. You know? Oh, like uh, like like when a night out with a bunch of friends starts to get a little group se- starts to get a group yeah, sex vibe, and you're like, a little sexy. The orgy's like, about to break out, and you can feel it, right? Yeah, like and the like, tingle of a cold sore. You're someone. like, I feel like an orgy's about to break out. I can okay. I can tell. I can tell we're on our way. Where are the condoms and the abrive? If it's- I don't make this, if I don't verbalize this, it might happen, mm-hmm. right? And I think you know, best practices, in my opinion, it requires somebody just to come forward and be like, "Hey, guys, let's name the elephant in the room. It's kind of getting sexual in here. Is it the direction that we want to move in?" Yeah. But I would keep myself from saying any of that, just like allowing myself to get more and more upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I learned that lesson really quickly. I, l- I learned that it's better if I just speak and ruin everybody's night rather than like let it ruin my mm-hmm. night. Because I'm going to end up ruining everybody's night regardless. Right. Because the explosion will. Yeah. yeah and it'll it's gonna just do, be a lot. It's going to be way worse. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think there were a lot of situations that I was put into where uh, maybe other people had like pre-existing sexual relationships or kind of dynamics. And I think it was on them to name that, you know, looking back on it. If you have a sexual dynamic with somebody and maybe they're bringing a partner around for the first time and y'all are already sleeping together, but you don't name that hmm. and you don't let that person know, or you start moving in the direction you didn't get verbal consent from that person. Like if you have information that this third party doesn't have, it is your responsibility to name that and mm-hmm. bring that up and bring them up to speed so that they can consent to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So would you would you like were you the type to explode like loudly in front of everyone or would you just like blow up at him at home or I would at least the time that I'm thinking of I left called a friend was did like a a reality check like was this fucked up and she was like yeah that's fucked up and then I oh, came wow. back and yelled at everybody oh yeah wait what exactly was so fucked up that you you felt like you and the friend were when, yeah, you're a go on yelling at everybody. I mean, I don't think she gave me explicit consent to do that, <laughs> but it was just the dynamic. It, it just beca- it became sexual. They were later were like, well, it wasn't sexual. Nobody was like naked. Nothing was happening. But like there was that there was we're like, like all on couches. And yeah, things are there's touchy. a lot of like fondling and like it was headed in that direction. And then I started yeah. to kind of pull away. Okay. Um, but again, it was it was a dynamic that I wasn't a part of before with people who were already being sexually active, you know, had already had a sexual ongoing sexual mm. relationship with each other, open sexual container. Right. Meanwhile, you think things are just like, uh, like breaking out spontaneously. No, no, no. I knew that they had a, oh, okay. but I had already named that. I wasn't interested in playing with this particular group of people Okay, and things started moving into sexual direction. And like, I just felt like I wasn't consented. Nobody asked me. And what I should have done is just said something like, Hey, I don't, you know, I, I don't like where things are headed. This is not comfortable. I've already said that I wasn't interested in playing with these folks. Like, why are we, where are we headed in this direction? And also this, to, to be fair, also like I was uptight too, right? Like nothing did, no genitals, mm. were, no, nobody started sucking dick on the couch or anything like that, right? It was just yeah. the vibe, yeah, right? The vibe made me uncomfortable. And all I needed to do was probably say like, hey guys, the direction that it seems like things are headed in is not the direction that I want to go in. Can we regroup? And or go even direction? like, I, you know, hey guys, um, Sense a little thing. I think I'm going to tap out for the night, but everyone like enjoy or whatever. Yeah. Either way, just kind of, yeah, not just like letting it go. 
would you say hubby had a had a hard time saying no to sexual opportunity that was going to stress you out? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean that's that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, that's definitely tough, and, and it's so so weird when like you're like we're both non-monogamous, and we think that's enough. Yep. Yeah, we think say. that we're compatible. Did the but that's fr- not compatibility. Did the free sexuality kind of ever come into play with him in that, like, you losing sexual interest with him because of that? Or was it because of all this other stuff nope. going on? With, with, pri- like, with partners, that doesn't happen. The closer I get to somebody, the, the sex tends to get better. Okay. It's more like with um, casual gotcha, partners gotcha. and friends. Yeah. So what, what would happen so is- So you could be a friend, close, but no sex. You can be not that close- acquaintance and sex or it's like our hearts are going to start like mixing around right it's almost like they they get out of syncopation like the band starts sounding awful i have some friends who i started by having sex with and then they became friends and then i was like okay let's not go there anymore Mm -hmm. and i have some friends i've been like okay it feels like we have this kind of sexual thing going on this flirtation thing going on like i'm interested in going there once maybe twice but i'm not open to that becoming a thing yeah uh, what's a lesson you feel like you've learned from the marriage that you've now taken into present relationships? Um, kind of on the same note, communicate early and often the hard stuff. Uh-huh. I think if I had a single lesson, I would say the thing that you are afraid of saying mm-hmm. that you don't want to say that you're be courageous, find it in you, be afraid and say it anyway. And then what's a second lesson then? Oh, okay. You're right. All right. Good, good, good. Uh, a <laughs> second lesson that I, We'll take from my marriage it's Okay, into... the, the first answer is just always the easiest one to give. I mean, yeah, it's the one that was the most top of mind. But I, I really see that in practice in my day-to-day with this person because I am being way more honest about what I'm available for, what I want, um, what I'm open to, what would make me uncomfortable, what I hope he does and doesn't do. Uh, I also feel like I give him a lot more. Like, I, I, I don't want to go back to, or at least anytime soon, having like a primary, being married, um, having that sort of like life commitment, living with a partner, I feel like that changes a lot. If you're mm. non-monogamous and you live with your partner, then they're going on dates. You're having to to deal with that, right? You're having to 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 process more of that. If we don't live together, I'm not seeing you on Friday night. You let me know that you have a date. Great. Not a big deal. I was still planning on waking up on my own on Friday, Saturday morning anyways, right? right? So at least for where I am right now, and it's like my divorce isn't even legally started yet, let alone finalized. Like, but where I'm at right now is it would feel really good to just have some time on my own and mm. not build my life around another person. I don't regret that because I'm very happy with where I got, both in my career and my personal life. Um, but I'm not answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, Which is even more so the reason why I asked it. Yeah. Hmm. What have I learned? I mean, here's what I won't do again in another relationship. Uh, I don't know that I'm actively having an opportunity to practice this in any other relationships, but I'll, I'll know it when I see it. When I ask myself or when I feel in my bones that the relationship is probably over, I'm going to move to end it mm. instead of doing all of this work to continue to work on it, heal it, find space and acceptance, which is not to say I won't find except, but like there are many times in my relationship to my husband where I kind of felt like 
this wasn't going to last or I had an indication that uh, like if he keeps this up, I'm going to have to end this relationship. But I would always like find the good in it and find my way back to it. And I think marriage is something that does that holds you to that contractually legally binds you. Right. Mm. That's why we get married is so that we don't break up when we fall out of love. We, we give ourselves time to fall back into love. Mm. But we had a major fight, major breakdown in our marriage two years before we decided to get divorced. And I don't think the relationship ever I think we were as happy as we had ever been in those two years, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but it never made its way back to where it was and the promise of the relationship never fully recovered. So even though we were very happy, the future wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. And I think I could have probably ended, I wouldn't have ended it sooner. I'm happy that I ended it when I did. But in the future, I'll be looking out for those intuitive moments. Like when your gut tells you this isn't gonna last or it's probably not best for you, or you're probably not making each other as happy as you could, mm -hmm. I, and I will follow that, and I will gracefully exit instead of waiting for something to blow up, which is ends up being the same advice I said before. Don't wait until you're going to explode. Say something sooner. <laughs> you see, you see, see what I was <laughs> the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? Yeah. yeah. What What do you think is the hardest part about ending married, unmarried, but like such a long relationship? Nine years. Nine years. Spend basically a decade with someone. Yeah. I mean, I was really afraid of being alone, mm -hmm. which after 11 days of living alone, I woke up and was like, I was afraid of this. This is great. This is awesome. Like, okay. Oh, my God. I woke up in my own bed with my own duvet cover. With like, I didn't have to ask anybody's opinion on anything or worry about staying up too late or waking up too early or disturbing somebody in their sleep. Like, Living alone is excellent. And I say that from a place of like a lot of privilege. I can afford to live alone. We don't have children. We had two cats. So we each took one. Like, you know, I had a pretty easeful breakup in that sense. So I was afraid of this stuff that actually ended up being great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And now you're, and now you're off and you can have all the partners you want. You don't have to worry about if anyone's fucking Danielle. I can do my solo poly thing and who knows how long that's going to I had an astrologer tell me I'll probably find my uh, uh, my partner in my 50s. I know you laugh. Everyone in New York thinks that's funny. I'm very deeply into astrology. We all think it's funny, but there's also like a lot of those people here in New York too. So I, yeah, I meet less of them here, but I'm a huge, deeply into astrology. And I, I got the message that I probably won't have my another like real person uh, uh, on that level in my life where I would want to like be married to them. Um, Ever? No, in my 50s. Oh, so, oh, so you will have it. It will come back then. Yeah, yeah, maybe so, a little so sooner, but it's going to be well. Yeah, so I, I'm like, I'm not in any kind of rush. Like, it's time for me to. That doesn't that doesn't seem daunting to you? Because like to me, no, I'm, it doesn't. I'm oh, yeah. nine years out of a in a marriage that was sometimes yeah. very very painful. That doesn't sound daunting at all. It sounds like a great opportunity for me to spend some time on my own. Now, talk to me nine more years of spending more time on my own. And don't get me wrong, I have a I have a partner who I love very much. Mm -hmm. Right, it's just that. I think it would be very irresponsible for me at this moment to go from having this long distance partner who's been like secondary to my primary relationship and then all of a sudden be like, well, this space is available. So I guess you're getting a promotion, right? Like that would kind of rob me of the fertile ground that is a breakup. You know, you should you should squeeze the lemon of the breakup for everything that it's worth. You know, if you're going through a breakup, like learn every single lesson, like get everything that you can out of it so that you don't repeat that same mistake next time why what do you what are you saying i don't know it's just more like like i think one of my fears is that i will never have an opportunity to capitalize on the lessons learned with someone on the level on, on which i was i was with my my most recent ex the one that had me like all fucked up for uh, an embarrassingly long period of time mm -hmm. so uh it's kind of like oh like these are lessons right now i feel like 
fuck, I wish I could go back in time and, and like and whisper that into my ear before I meet her. Um, and then it's kind of like, great. Like I've learned these lessons for a future relationship. It's just like, since I have not met anyone who makes me feel that so deeply, not even just love, but I mean like this like secret door level of love that I didn't know existed. Mm. I mean, since I have not met that yet, I haven't been an opportunity to go like, wow, I'm in this and okay, I'm just going to really quickly review all those lessons I learned with Wallet No Lady <laughs> and I'm not going to fuck this one up. Well, hopefully. I mean, you can trust that you learned them. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. How long has it been since that breakup? <laughs> um, uh, technically, I guess it would be like about a, a year, almost two years, a year and a half. Uh, it would be um, May last year. Okay. But then there was like a possible resurgence last summer, a year so ago. This, and is, then, this is fresh. Uh, it was, yeah. Well, there was a, 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 an unofficial final breakup in like November. And then like at the end of May, I, I swung the bat and uh, I got like a pretty definitive, but like the in the kindest, most loving way. It's but not no. going to be happening. So in some ways, it's only been one year. Well, what happens is I will November. keep reopening the wound and fi- be uh. like, uh, I'll, 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 Invite myself into situations to experience the breakup all over again. Ah, so the wound doesn't really get a chance to heal. Just, just when it feels healed enough. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I shaved my legs, like, I'd have all these, I'd have a bunch of, like, spots from, like, the old mosquito bites when I was a kid. I was, I scratched the, the scabs. Uh-huh. It was bad. And mosquitoes fucking loved me. So it was always all over me. And and so I would end up with these scars. You're a bit of a yeah. masochist. Uh, yeah, emotionally. I'm an emotional mask. Yeah. But then again, I started a podcast nine years ago talking to my exes about why we didn't work out. So, tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Is, yeah. this, is this why you dropped off the podcast nine years ago at some point? You were just like, yeah, he seems kind of sad sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't, I haven't kept up with a single podcast, so, uh, uh it's nothing personal. No, but I do think that there's something. One of the benefits, you get to publicly process your relationship stuff, right? Uh, if you choose to. Yeah. And I coach. So even though I don't always publish public, publicly, not, not as publicly as we are right now, process my stuff, I do get the chance to hear my clients and hear the advice that I'm giving them and give them guidance. And I see how that gets shaped by my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that plus like somatic work plus just a deep willingness to do this and like a deep desire to to heal this stuff. You said something really interesting there. Like when you fell in love, it felt like a secret door had opened. Like in the video game when like if you tap, actually you're, you're, if you tap like the, the lamppost third over, uh-huh. a secret door opens and there's like a secret big boss. That's the love I felt with Wallet No Lady as opposed to like the traditional final level love that I, I felt with several other women that you would see in any like normal guidebook. Okay. Like I know that that level. That reference there. got really deep. Oh, sorry. Uh, and specific, video but I think game? I followed. I you got, got it. I got it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you I ever play video games, and there was like, there's not- like, oh, you have to like tap this button over here, and like something appears, and it's not like. Dude, no? I couldn't even okay. get past the like training level of Lara Croft one time. Like, I didn't even get to play the regular game because I couldn't pass the training mode. Kingdom you know, Hearts you know fans know what I'm talking I about. I do play Mario Kart, and there are shortcuts. <laughs> yes, I'm, okay, I so it's like that. It'd be like when they like if Mario you make Kart. that left there and it looks like it's a wall, but actually it brings you yeah. into a tunnel. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I got about. that. Okay. By the way, I can spank about 85 percent of Mario Kart players, <sighs> even the really good ones. I can maybe even more. I, I have a pretty excellent track record. Okay, on Switch. Um. I wonder, sitting where I am right now, because I also felt that when I found my uh, husband, 
And I, I wonder if sometimes those instant, deep, magical feeling bonds are actually more like our trauma bonds. And like th- what, what's happening is that our, our mind and our spirit is going like, ooh, great, an opportunity to learn some lessons. Like this one's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really felt when I met my husband that we had like a soul bond, like mm-hmm. like all the – it was it felt like love at first sight. It felt very kismet. It felt synchronistic. felt magical. We did a lot of things together. We went to like Tony Robbins together. We went to Burning Man together. Like we had a lot of really important firsts that really solidified this relationship. And I think at times I got so wrapped up in that story about how magic it was that I was willing to look past some of the things that were uh, out of alignment or inconsistent or uh, made us incompatible over mm. time. And so I actually, this is a hypothesis. This is new. We'll come back. I'll revisit this later. Uh, but I wonder if what I'm looking for now and what I would recommend people look for in their partnerships is something that feels a little bit less sparkly. Yeah, you're not the first person to suggest that this year, and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, as uh, With an addict brain that I have, it's kind of like, what, I got to go out there and do less good heroin? Yeah, right. right it's right, like right, now, because right, right, I feel like I've right, had the right, best yeah. heroin, and now I'm like, I'm going to go out and have heroin knowing there's better heroin out there I can't get. Well, but the thing the is, it's not better because it didn't last, right? What? It's not better because it didn't last. It, it's, it, it was lasting so long as I was on the teat. So I was on there. I don't know. It's still got traces. So, so my, my, apparently <clears throat> my sister told me this earlier this year and she told me our mom told her to her. Uh, and, uh, after a breakup she had had years back and said that, like, oh, let me see if I say this right. A, oh, a, like, a, a son of, oh, I'm fucking this up. A son about like a flame, a dim, oh, a dimmer flame burns longer or oh. something like that. Like the idea of like, the you know she yeah. had, had this relationship that sounded like mine was like the fire was big and it was big but then it like it's it, 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 right? it's it like extinguished pour, quickly yeah fuel right on the fire doesn't have a long lasting right so like the dimmer flame would last longer it's for whatever reason i'm not a scientist but uh <laughs> you know apparently that so you know it, it it i i get it but it's to me there's something about that type of a life was something dimmer just seemed that daunting and like the prospect is sad. Yeah, I could get that. I could totally get that. But I I mean, I look at the partnership that I've been dating this person for just over a year now. And when I met him, I definitely felt sparks. But being a little bit slower and more conscious and being long distance uh, with our relationship has made it so that it has a little bit of a slower build to it. And I didn't feel when I met him like, oh my God, I should have to leave my husband and this is it and he's my twin flame and all that. I felt like, wow, I could really appreciate this person and I really see how we're aligned and I see the good that I bring into his life and I see the good that he brings into my life. And it's just like, I appreciate the the comfort of having a lover and companion and it just feels, it doesn't feel like explosive in the same way. And I mean that as a really good thing. Right. And I'm trying to I'm trying to adjust to the idea that that might be a really good thing. Yeah. Because to me, I think the explosive is what I want. Right. Yeah. Your nervous system always, is trained on yeah. that, right? And until you until you work on, or if you choose to work on, having your nervous system be a little bit more regulated, and like it, it will continue to seek those explosive experiences, and it and it will continue to seek them. Mind sought them inside of my relationship with my ex. It was like every big drama felt good on some level. Mm. Every Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. Because it reminded me of like how strongly I feel. 
Yeah. About it. Yep. But I hope, hopefully we find, we both find what we're looking for and what we want. Hopefully and we find not too dim of flames. Yeah. You know, reasonable flames. Yeah, I reasonable think it's what we're looking for. You know, and I think we're about the same age in our mid thirties. Yeah. Right? We're both 34. Yeah. 89 or 90? 88. You're 88. Oh, oh shit. Oh. I never say that publicly. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I mean, you've, you said you're uh, age a few times so far. So. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, uh, you don't know my. Anyway. Oh, you're, you're sensitive about the actual year it is? Yeah. I, I try to. Oh. hide the year i love saying exactly. 89 because it makes people feel weird uh it makes old it makes older women feel weird because they go like oh, okay i gotta see if this is comfortable wait what's and your I'll, birthday well i'm oh, are you asking like for astrological yeah, you reasons know I am. uh i mean the joke i normally say is uh uh i'm a gemini or whatever astrological sign is most compatible with having sex with you <laughs> <laughs> but i'm uh yeah june 5th 89 i'm a year the snake gemini the snake uh the my chinese calendar year a was a snake oh there's both a snake and a dragon uh i don't know I I, it's separate from the dragons the oh, snake. snakes go with money or something which is does not track in my lifestyle okay uh <laughs> with the gambling problems i have but um yeah gemini gemini, gemini. Okay. means partner, nothing to my me. partner here's in gemini what? I'm a Gemini rising. It's, oh, great. it's great. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, Caitlin, uh, real quick, do you, and it's okay if, if no, if you're tight on time or something, but if you want, uh, you have like maybe 15 minutes to do a little bonus episode. I want to talk more about the sex coaching. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Patreon people, you're going to hear that tomorrow. Uh, but for now, you know, Caitlin, where can people go to find you, follow you, hire you? Thank you. You can find me on YouTube, Caitlin V, C A I T L I N V. Uh, you can find me also on Instagram uh, at CaitlinVNeal.com and you can apply for coaching there. And if anything that I said to you today sounded like I, um, me or my coaches could help you at uh, any intersection of your sex life, we would love to have you. Amazing. Well, thanks. oh, and check out Good Sex on HBO Max and Good. Discovery Plus. Good Sex on HBO, everybody. Uh, or Max or HBO Max or whatever we're calling it, you know, uh, <laughs> while it's still here for <laughs> something else buys it. Uh-huh. I got to call it something else. Uh, if, if Elon buys it all, everything's just going to have its own letter <laughs> In the, on that face. <laughs> I will invite you to go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on there. There's just, there is more. I got to say, there is more Caitlin V coming to you tomorrow, except it's exclusively going to be on Patreon. However, if you get through the next, you know, whatever this part normally is, one or two minutes, you're going to hear more conversation with Caitlin V, like a tied with rope to a chair, blindfold on, being tickled with a feather amount of more conversation with Caitlin V, but it's more Caitlin V nonetheless. So just just hang tight, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, if you have thoughts about this week's show, a great place to share that is in the episode discussion channel in the champagne room. Click the link in the notes or go to manwhorepod.com slash discord. Join us, share your thoughts, share yourself. Of course, you can always share your thoughts with me directly at manwhorepod at gmail.com. I don't normally um, say this or plug this. It's, it's always in the show notes, but I'm going to say it kind of one time out loud because, you know, it is the holiday season and uh, inquiring minds have inquired. So I suppose I will just briefly mention that I do have an Amazon wish list. There are things Billy, you know, might want to unwrap. So if you go into the show notes, you will see the link to that. If you want to get me something cute, something nice, 
I don't like to ask for presents, but in the schnotes, head over there. All right, I'm gonna. My entire apartment has just been like heavily sprayed with roach poison, so uh, uh, you know it's not exactly my favorite aroma. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pack up and get myself to a coffee shop with other freelancers battling their ADHD to get their work done. Hope to see you at the Naked Comedy Show this Friday. Hope I'll see you on Patreon soon. And maybe I'll even get to see some of you this weekend. Stay slutty. Okay. Costco is the first place I got recognized. I don't know what it is about Costco's demographic, but they are fucking, people I guess. People who go to Costco fuck, yeah. Yeah, people who go to Costco fuck. I would hope. Definitely fuck. <laughs> yeah. More than people who shop at, I would say, other big box. Definitely more than Sam's Club. I mean, you can get your discount on condoms at Costco, I would you imagine. You can, actually. Bulk. You can buy in bulk. I don't have a Costco membership anymore because I am dangerous. Uh, I will spend an untold... This is money. That's, that is like a black hole for me and my credit card. Um, so, but every time I go to Costco with someone else in their Costco card, mm-hmm. uh, I get recognized. Even the one time I thought I didn't get recognized, I got a Facebook message two weeks later. Hey, I think I saw you at Costco. I was like, dang. Uh, I got recognized on Friday. I get recognized pretty much every time I come to any sex positive event in New York, mm-hmm. including potentially yours, if Chuck recognized me there. Um, yeah. And usually when people recognize me, they are like very grateful. They... You know, they're telling me that they love the channel. They're big fans. They really appreciate it. It's made a big difference in their life. So I love when people come up and and tell me that they know who I am. Uh, Funny story about getting recognized. I got recognized at line at a grocery store. And uh, this is in LA. Someone comes up to me and he's like, hey, are you in a band or something? Like, I feel like I know you. And I was like, no, I'm not in a band. I'm giving you a second to like figure it out. It's like, are you on TV? I'm like, kind of. I'm on YouTube. And then I watch him go, oh, shit. And he goes, oh, 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 oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to make things awkward. I was like, what? Uh, why is it awkward? Why is it awkward? Are you, do you feel awkward? First of all, no one in line at fucking Sprouts knows uh, who I am other yeah. than you. Yeah. No one here knows what I talk about or why or why you're watching it, yeah. you know? So, like, you know, again, with people's shame, like we were talking about, like, this is your shame. You know, it's not mine. Like, yeah. we're good. It's like the guy who threw his cell phone, just like, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah, ah. ha, suddenly sex, you know? Yeah, but this guy is more, it's more like, like, he knows he was hard when he watched the YouTube video. That's kind of how I felt about yeah. it. So he was like, actually, I've jacked off to you. 